Previously on AFTN. I'm excited at, at who's there and the, the players yeah. I know well and the players that I don't know at all. I, I, I think as well, I mean, everyone's expecting them to win this. I mean, they, they're going to tear the Virgins a new one, surely. <laughs> big, big win? Yeah. They're going to pop it. Again, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio on the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. If you listen to this show on the podcast, this is episode 296. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. Even though the Whitecaps weren't playing this, this weekend, because it was a bye week, but we've still got lots of Whitecaps chat to, to bring to you. We're also going to talk about Canada. They ripped the Virgin Islands apart today. That Who saw that coming? I did. We, no, not the, we the, all did, didn't we? In, in the past, in the, but in the past, that wouldn't happen, where they'd score eight goals. No. They would score yeah, that's true. two to three that's goals. Right. It's, all, it's all John Herdman. Yeah. yeah, very attacking lineup put out. Got a couple of really good interviews as well. We've got Scotty Arfield coming up. And also, yesterday was the 39th anniversary of Vancouver Whitecaps' biggest ever success, the 1979 Soccer Bowl. And we're going to bring a chat that we had a few weeks ago now with Tony Waiters, so we've got that coming up in part four. But we're going to kick things off in part one with the Whitecaps news of the week and a little bit of chat about the Caps. I don't know about you guys, it's kind of nice not to have a game to talk about. For once, yeah, Yeah. maybe it's good idea. I'm a bit more upbeat. Be more positive, that's Mm -hmm. what I was going to say, yeah. The Whitecaps were busy this week. There's a new face on the team, Dutch winger Marvin Emnes. Marvin the Martian Emnes, I think, is what we have to kind of call him. That's not bad. Yeah, uh, but uh, he um, he's listed as a striker too. Yeah, striker, but probably, winger. No, yeah. I think he's probably going to get played more in the wing role. Because they are pretty deep a striker right now. He's got, he's got quality hair. Yes. I've mixed thoughts on this one, I've got to say. On the plus side, he, he has a, a good pedigree. Spent time in the English Premiership, spent time in the English Championship, the Dutch Eredivisie. Most recently he was in Turkey, which, if anyone saw the scrum he did on Friday, he, he himself said that was a weird move, which I don't know how, what you take from that. Well, obviously they didn't fit. Swansea fans and some Middlesbrough fans spoke very highly when they were getting asked on Twitter what they thought of him. And, and who wants to listen to Swansea in Middlesbrough? Yes. <laughs> I, I have a worry that this is another... Whitecaps, striker, stroke, winger that we've brought in 
that doesn't have the most impressive goal scoring ratio. We do seem to. But if he's a winger, that. then it's not that bad actually. No. If he's listed as a striker, it doesn't look good. But that's which is surprising that they listed him as a striker. He also has not played a match since December. Mm. That is a bit of a worry. So you're saying he's fresh? <laughs> fresh meat to get out there. He was asked in the same scrum on Friday what he's been doing the last few months. Training, he said. So music to your ears. Hmm. Let, let's see if this is another nose in the making. And by that, I don't mean at the end of the season he's going to want first-class flights to, to go somewhere. More that, is he going to take ages to actually get match fit? Yeah. And he's finally going to get match fit right at the end of the season. This year, there may or may not be playoffs to, to play him in for a couple of games. Or is he also maybe going to be the new Bernie Abini, which in many ways he is, because we ship Bernie out, freed up an international spot. Did you, you mean, you mean Br- he's not an Alfonso Davies replacement, like some people said on Twitter? No. <laughs> or at least let's hope not. He, let's hope, why do you hope not? I, I would want a slightly more impactful player as right. well, Alfonso Davies replacement. Give him some time to see what he can do in MLS. But yeah. did you see Bernie's goal, first goal? I think he scored. No, I did he, not. I think he scored on his debut, but they lost, I think. Mm. It was kind of like, I, I think it was like, a, if I remember it, it was like a breakaway kind of goal. Is this going to be another player that leaves us and then lights it up somewhere else? Well, Even Mur- Mustafa Jarju went and got some goals when we let him go. <laughs> I mean, Abini was brought in. This was a guy that I looked at and I was like, why are we bringing him? And he doesn't strike me as a, as a great winger that's going to score lots of goals. Didn't prove to be that effective here and then moved on. Now, yeah, we've got to give Marvin Emnes time. And but, but this he, could be the move that unlocks him. But he does come with pedigree, like you said before. Yeah. Unlike Abini, so who dog. was still a kind of a diamond in the rough. They were hoping they could smooth it out. Can we call him Mr. Emnes? Mm, Makes yeah. me think of Mr. Tomness. Oh. Right. Who's that? From yeah, you're, oh, it's, you're, it's, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah, it's, ah. What was he? Half man, half... Uh, what do you call those? Fawn? Uh, I was going to say Biscuit. <laughs> was he a Minotaur? <laughs> yeah, Minotaur. Went, yeah. yeah. Marvin the Minotaur, there we go, we've got it. (laughs) Mr. Marvin the Minotaur Emnes. You're welcome, everyone. Well done, Zach. We'll we'll credit you with that. Uh, Yeah, please don't. We'll have a new hashtag, because my my more live more one didn't seem to work. Oh, no? No. Not even going to be in the ground? Well, I've I've pestered Ravi from the show to try and get her along. Okay. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, let's get back to Whitecaps chat. No one wants to hear me yeah, go it, on again it, it, about Rose You're right. It will be interesting to see how the, how this how this plays out yeah. and if he can contribute at all. If like the the El Salvadorian center back uh, signing Robert Roberto Dominguez. Yeah, Roberto. Uh, if I you, don't know why he talks like that. Yeah, I don't know why you talk like that. But I don't even know feels, what accent that it, he is. It's there. just kind of like it feels like uh, it's this whatever six month contract guaranteed contract, and if they think he does well enough, they'll bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, I thought I thought he was a former Sounder there for a second, and you said El, El Salvadorian center back because <laughs> you refused to name him. I thought oh, he was like a former right. Sounder. <laughs> now, I would admit when the signing was announced. Is there anyone else in this room? I'm sure there's lots of folk listening oh, that immediately checked yeah. to see if Emnes was with Base or Avid. I did. He isn't. Who's he with? I can't remember. <laughs> but he's not with Base or Avid. Surprised? Mm, no. Why would you be surprised? The... Because so many of our players are from Base or Avid. Right. But you in the past. But you also maybe not so much moving forward. But you also know that the the front office and the football committee are posturing not to bring back. 
the co- some of the coaches or maybe all of the coaches or many of the coaches and th- I, I don't think they're super happy with how all this stuff has played out with the base and avid thing and yes so it, this is i don't know this in one sense could be their Saying, look, we can do stuff. Yeah, but way. we're gonna delve maybe, into maybe, in a bit maybe more this guy's a guy that's been scouted by that Scottish guy. I can't remember his name right now. Oh, John Park. There yeah. you go. Nothing wrong with Scottish. Skates. He's with PW Scout Soccer Consulting. See, something like that. Well read, Steve. <laughs> What's the name, Steve? <laughs> PW Soccer Consultancy. Someone said to me today, they, they screwed up pronunciation. They said, I'm just like Steve. <laughs> and I felt so, that was, so, oh, that was so harsh on Steve. If you had heard my play-by-play calls in the two UBC games on Friday oh, and Saturday good? night, I murdered some names out there. Oh. I really apologize. Were you by yourself for these? I was, yeah. Oh, yeah. My first ever games doing play-by-play. Friday, I'll admit, it was average. I thought it was it was. Above average, it was it was pretty good on Saturday night. Can people go back and watch on YouTube? No, it's on Canada West TV. So can... it's, it's pay you have to pay to listen to me. Wait, what? I know. <laughs> Folk do that. But if people who have paid, um, they, they can can they go back? And oh yeah, they can watch it on demand. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, so please let us know on Twitter if you listened to Michael on those, what you thought of his performance. Well, there are some clips. UBC men's soccer have got some clips of the oh. goal because I, I called Tommy Gardner's. Oh, the shot. Uh, the free free kick, kick. Yeah, okay. Which was fantastic on Saturday night. He scored two free kicks, one Friday, one on Saturday. They don't have my audio in the clips for Friday, <laughs> possibly because when the first goal went in, I was like, oh, it's an own goal. <laughs> I have no idea who got that. Yeah. But hey, it's 1-0 at UBC. That's Quality great. play-by-play. Want to talk about a player that's been away on international duty? Ali Gazal. Played for Egypt. New coach Javier Aguera said he was the man of the match for him. He played just under an hour, went off the Egyptians were 3-0 up by that point. And he had a very interesting role, I thought. He played in front of a back three dropping back when needed, sometimes behind the back three. Now, I quite like that idea. And I, I know three in the back has maybe, maybe been kind here, hasn't worked the best for the White Caps when we've tried it. So are you, are you, are you predicting about 2019 here? Or what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Or oh. when the season's over after Seattle on the weekend, we could maybe experiment a little bit. But I, I don't know, I quite like the idea of Ali in that role. I, 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 right, as of right now, I don't think we have the right person, personnel to do mm. that. Um, well, Kendall's played it for with Costa Rica. Well, right? yeah, but he might not be here next year. Right. We'll I'm, I'm, that in part two. I'm talking about in the... In, if, if, if we experiment season, a little yeah. bit. Didn't get a chance to see if Kai Kamara had played for Sierra Leone. I just thought about that on the way up. They didn't. They they, barely they, they didn't have a good result against Ethiopia. They lost one 0 to Ethiopia. Oh, I'm oh, not sure so how much. Try to see if I could find it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I forgot to check if he played or how much yeah. he played. We'll, we'll get Steve in that. We'll find out who scored the Ethiopian goal. No, as well. no, you're not <laughs> come on, Steve. Someone else though that that did play over the weekend, David, David Norman the sixth, yeah, as you like good, to call good him, job. David Norman Junior. Came on as an 84th minute sub for Queen of the South in a 4-3 Iron Brew Cup win. Yes, yeah, we, we name we, everything after Iron Brew in Scotland. Um, over Irish club Crusaders, because we play some Irish clubs now. Good win for East Fife as well, by the way, in the, that 2-1 over Partick Thistle. Yeah, it's a terrible name. Suck it, Steve that, that Clare. Irish team. The Crusaders, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, but good good for David Norman going over there. Watched an interview, which I tweeted out. You can check that out. He, he seems to be enjoying his, his first week there. So good to already see him get six more minutes 
for Queen of the South than he did in MLS for the White Cap. So that's a good sign. Yeah, one of his one of his family friends or whatever has been in touch on social media, like because saw some stuff we tweet whatever put out about him. He's like, oh, so excited to go and see him play. Yeah, I do hope to maybe take a game if I get over. You better. And I mentioned the the new development team played their first game midweek. We're coasting at one point, but ended up losing 4-3 to our great USL affiliate, Fresno. And you did you see who was running their team for that match? For Fresno? Yeah. I'm assuming it was Robbie Earnshaw. Right, because their main head coach was away or whatever. Again? Yeah, so uh, Earnshaw, Ernie had put something on his social media or whatever saying it was a proud moment of coaching the first team, coaching its players he knew so well from yeah. the White Caps. And, Probably by the one. And the, and the comeback. And oh, we've got an update for so, Steve. Uh, no, I don't, I don't have a full update. I can tell you that he wasn't subbed on or subbed off. So either he played full 90 or he didn't play at all. Who got the Ethiopian goal? It's uh, Gatane Kabedi. Ah, we could maybe look to sign him. Add a bit of hunger to the all, team. All teams in that group are at three points right now, too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know it was very disappointing for Sierra Leone. They, this was the game they felt that they should get full points from. I'm going to have to burn the top I bought last week then. Bit drastic, but... What, is it a Nike top? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and make sure I'm not wearing it at the time. But, I mean, yeah, that is the first development game. There's some interesting players in it. Patrick Metcalf left UBC now to, to rejoin this this development team. So we'll see how they go. They've got some games lined up in Mexico either later so this month or next month. Wait, was he not taking classes at UBC or has he just left like the team? No, he's left everything. And including classes? Yeah, to, oh. to left try and get family, back. everybody. Yeah. Wow. Bit drastic. Yeah. But, but you said he left everything. Yeah. I'm assuming the family included. The residency have been rebranded the Whitecaps Academy and they're going to take part in the, the big... North American tournament as well. We're going to have to rebrand Residency Week then. Yes. <laughs> I've, ha- I've already rebranded Residency to Academy on the trademark, site. Trademark that. Academy Week. Doesn't sound as good. No. 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 Rich Fagan has dropped down to be the under-17 coach, replacing Adam Day, who's gone to, to the Guildford setup. And we've got a new under-19 head coach, Ricky King. He was with Southern Alberta, the Academy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but... Spent time with New York Red Bulls in the past. And if you look how well they've done at integrating their academy kids, hopefully that's a good sign that the club's going to work better at trying to integrate them better, like we've talked Is about that, in the last couple of weeks. From what I remember, oh, and I read, and I, I'm hoping I remember this correctly, I don't think he coached in the academy at Red Bulls, but he was more like a guy who kind of He oversaw. wasn't a head coach, but I think he, he was one of the He kind of oversaw all the assistants, yeah. and, 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 and especially the lower levels. But he's seen how a good academy works. Is he that, yeah, has moved in from Alberta. Is that a connection from Robbo's day at Deadpool? I don't think so. Well, probably not, because he was at the Alberta Academy, so... And we know we get all our top talent from Alberta. Yeah, that's true. Fonzie. No Whitecaps in MLS action this week, as we said, but there were two MLS games featuring Western teams. Boo. One, who cares? KC beat Orlando, moves them up to second. They're eight points clear of us. Five wins in the last six for them. We're not going to catch them, so let's just quickly move on. We do play them soon, though. Key result, and it wasn't a good one. Portland beat Colorado 2-0. Which is expected. Yeah. You can't expect Colorado to go into Portland. They had, had to them. work hard for it. Though. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Jeremy Ibobisi scored right before half time. Then Diego Valeri wrapped up the points in the 65th minute, making it four seasons in MLS where he's hit double figures for both goals and assists. 
one of only three players to do that, along with Preki and Jamie Moreno. So, let's just hope we can somehow go out and find a Diego Valeri from somewhere. I think every club kind of wants that. Of course, it's all, it's all about hope. Or, we just give Portland all our money and we get Diego Valeri. No. You don't want him now. Yeah. Well, he's still scoring. I'd take him. You want a, a potential you want Diego Valeri. I just want to see what, what Zach refers oh. to him as. Oh, Diego. Yeah. That's good. Portland, fifth. Four points ahead of the Whitecaps. They're unbeaten in three now. Seattle are sixth. Currently one point above the Caps as, as they were going into this. Seattle are sixth. One point above the Caps. Do you have a game in hand? Which would then move them, same as Portland, which if you assume they're going to win it. Massive, massive must-win game, whatever you want to call it, next week coming up for me against it's Seattle. Ca- it's, the, it's, a, it's a Cascadia Cup finale. Yeah. Like the, if you lose or you tie, Seattle takes the Cascadia Cup. Now, we'll, we'll let the preview guys hopefully fully cover it this week. I think they're going to be back with a, a preview show. But just to quickly look at it, a couple of big questions going into this one. Chad Marshall did get his card rescinded, <laughs> which I said last week, yeah. and you and Joe were pretty adamant he wouldn't. No, I mean, based on other other, other decisions. I was, I was, Don't mention base. I was surprised. I was surprised that, that it was rescinded. Apparently, uh, also now, the Disco Committee gets a uh, free trip to the Price is Right taping. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Christian Teixeira picked up uh, another fine this week. Yeah. He just has a direct debit now. They just automatically <laughs> just take it out of his account on a weekly basis. It was the hands of the face or whatever, right? Yeah, I think he's got a personal bingo card going on, and he's just trying to see how many things he can tick off. He's doing well. Great season for the Who, Whose face did he get in again? Wando's. <laughs> Good old Wando. Just going back a little bit, you talk about Seattle being the main thing. I still think RSL is the team that they're going to ca- they need to catch. They're four points behind them with one game hand on them because mm. RSL's only got six games yes. left and we have seven. True. So True. if you think of that way, RSL, great team at home, not that great on the road. So they're going to drop some games on the road. And if they drop, uh, falter yeah. a little bit at home. But we we don't be, play the Arcelors. Yeah, but then we gotta. that's where you got to get help from other people. Yeah. Someone that we will need to, to bring in for help next week is someone to replace Jordi Reyna, who is suspended. There was no magical waving of that yellow card. Who, who do you see coming in for Jordi next week? Is it going to well, be Nico? We talked last week. I think It feels like there's two primary options. One is Nico, one is Felipe. Do you guys think there's any other options other than that? I'm going to go out on the limb and say Breck Shea and move Alfonso in the middle. Mm. With Kai. I might actually like to see Fonzie up there with him. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, the move in Reina's spot. Oh, yeah. Move Breck Shea to oh, the to left the, side. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that would be fun. One, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking that that might throw uh, Seattle off off as well because yeah. you're running right at well, their yeah, center. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing a left back up front, that's really going to confuse. Well, them. If, if they if they gave Fon, if they gave Alfonso the freedom to go to wide when he wants, yeah, because Breck can play in the middle as yeah. well sometimes, um, and Christian. You've, we've seen him in the box so many times getting crosses from Kai Kamara so that's a possibility as well do we finally get our dream Blondell Kamara front two uh, it would have been nice to have seen that early in the season I don't see that happening mm-hmm. no. Does that, do you, there's no way you can see that happening probably for such, not for such a big match it would, I, think, I could see how 
and many people would be happy for like a uh, kind of classic four four two, but I don't see that happening. So just to wrap this section up, will we be having our end of season show next week, or are the Caps going to get a result? How confident are you heading into the Seattle I, game? I think they get a result. Vancouver has to win the game, so I'm uh, going on no. I'm going on average. I'm going on uh, probability that Seattle's not going to win every game for the rest of the year, so they got to lose something somewhere. So I'll say no to your question, Michael. Okay, I think if the Whitecaps can tempt Rose McIver to come along to the celebrity <laughs> match beforehand, then their season will stay alive. And if they don't, the season will be over and Seattle win. So it's in the Whitecaps' hands so basically you, now. You'll be in the ground. I'll, I'll be in the you ground, telling people searching to stay away. for Rose McIver. <laughs> So you'll be t- if she doesn't show up, you'll be tweeting. I'll be tweeting to stay that away. the, the Whitecaps have capitulated about their own yeah. their own fate. Hashtag more live more, and we'll be back with more after this. Hello, it's Kai Kumar, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Buy me, sell me, I'm in a Dalton's Weekly I'm not me now anymore Buy, 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 buy me, sell me Now I'm product, why me? Want something different? Yes please, oh well Isn't it tough at the top, they all say Don't complain So buy me, sell me, I'm in a Dalton's Weekly Page 14, very rare, pinch a sleeve and turquoise hair See me, feel me, nothing but the real me In the shops, in the racks, with all the others back to back Isn't it tough at the top, they all say Shut up Welcome back, Patrick Fitzgerald there With a, a great song called Buy Me, Sell Me Actually we have Patrick coming up pretty soon in the the wavelength section, oh, not not of this show, but in, okay. in a future show. Now, in this part, we're we're going to look a little bit about the the shaping of the the Whitecaps' future, and that song "Buy Me Sell Me." We're going to look at some players that we might want to buy, some players that we might want to sell, some players that we just want to get rid of. There's a lot to talk about, but this this off season certainly feels like something of a, a crossroads for the Whitecaps, and. I don't crossroads. We just don't know what direction the cap's going to go. Are they going to spend wisely, make some changes, move into being playoff contenders, or is it going to be a season of rebuilding where they they drop further down the picking order and they're not even maybe battling? It could be a kind of Colorado San Jose season that we've seen this year for them. Definitely, it feels like the biggest off season for them. That I can really think of. Is that uh, being overdramatic? No, not really, considering how much money they have to spend, too. And you, Everybody's hoping they'll spend the right amount. Not <laughs> expecting it, but hoping that it'll go well. I think, every, like, honestly, it feels like every MLS offseason, like, offseason in the MLS era has felt like the biggest one. Yeah. Well... Good, because Steve's got his flash five of the most important <laughs> off-seasons. <laughs> we'll bring that back. At five. <laughs> 2013. <laughs> we should do that. That'd be good. Eventually. I've got a lot of good stuff planned for when the season's over, so we'll bring that to you in about two weeks. Sure. So that'll be good. Like You, you know the Great British Bake Off? Or yes. the Great British Baking Show, as yeah. you seem to call it here. Because yeah, Bake Off... You, no, you Bake Off. I'd yeah. call it Bake Off. Um, I thought we would have the Great AFTN Bake Off where we would just bake cakes and stuff and we'd have a different challenge. One week would be cakes, one week would be biscuits. Players might not have playoffs to concentrate on. We could maybe get them involved as well. <laughs> or they might be busy, who knows. 
Zach's glaring at me. Because he has no idea what you're talking about. I thought I thought he just didn't like cakes, but then, no, nah, of course he does. Actually, I'm not a big fan of cake. Really? Yeah. That's huh. a shocker. That is a shocker. I'm like well, ice cream cake. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Right. Well, I'm more a scone man. Okay. What about a scone? Don't know what one of them is. Okay. Uh, it's the fastest cake in the world. <laughs> Getting our own sound effects. Scone is the fastest cake in the world because one minute it's there, the next minute it's scone. <laughs> Good one. Right. <laughs> let's get into some white cap stuff. Don't know if anyone's tuned into this show for the first time and they're like, you know, I've just I've just joined campus here at UBC. Wonder what what I can do on a Sunday night. Enjoyed the trance guy. Let's just keep listening and, and see what's on after him. Hope you're enjoying it. So let's get to the thing you wanted to yeah. talk about. So. <laughs> Let's have a look at the current squad. Who we want to keep, who we want to leave. This is such an important matter. Steve's brought notes. I just brought a list so I don't forget people. <laughs> I, have, I have the list in front of me as well. Yeah. Now, try and do this with your head and not your heart. Oh, for sure. Because this is Zach would keep everyone and have a squad of 50. No, this is no, what, no. and this is what I'm not, I, I don't expect them to do these things. This is what I want them to yes. do. Yes. So this is Do not, you want to do it by position? I think that'd be the easiest. Okay. Let's look at the goalkeepers then. We've got three in the books. We've got Spencer Ritchie that's on loan in Cincinnati. What's the language you use in the off-season articles for this? In, out, and on the bubble. Yes, in, out, Oops. on the bubble, or okay. keep, marry, kill. No, no we're not doing no. that, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, okay, so the goalkeepers. We got Marinovich. I'd marry Spencer Ro- Ritchie. <laughs> oh, we got four. I forgot yeah. about yeah. Marinovich, Rowe, Ritchie, Melvin. For me, Rowe goes, if he can keep Marinovich, if he wants to stay, keep him. And the other two are backups. Richie, I'm assuming, is the backup. Melvin, the third. So, for me, I assume Richie's going to end up in Cincinnati. I think he will as well. Uh, but what if they? What if we? The, what we were talking about before, Ousted ends up in Cincinnati. Then I don't think it would be Richie. I think Richie would still mm. go as a backup. Yeah, I think, you he, think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But or, sorry, potentially. Uh, but, for for me, but could, I would work to bring Richie back as backup. Yeah, I think I think Alan might take him in the expansion draft. And that'll oh. be the white cap that he, he picks. Well, oh. it it could be that they just arrange it and then give it to him, and then he yeah. doesn't have to pick him. He just takes the, it, gets him, and they don't pick yeah. anybody. So, from the so team. Spencer, I don't see coming back. Yeah. Uh, Sean Melvin, I see back no matter what. Then make uh, then in in that case, make Sean Melvin the backup, and then sign Thomas Assault to the back a third mm. keeper spot. Yeah, yeah. And then I see. I do like him. I agree with you yeah. that I think Roe will be gone. And Marinovic, like Marinovic, I think his stated goal is to, he wants to go to England. I think. Yeah. Is that not his stated his, goal? His, I, I don't know how publicly he said this, but he, his plan when he first came here was to spend season and a half maybe here, end of this season, move on with a, a move in the winter over to England to the championship, possibly something like that. He would have been over there before now, but it was all the visa things. He hadn't played enough games for New Zealand, stuff like that. Now he ticks all those boxes, okay, so he yeah. can definitely get that. Now, move. the only thing is with him, like I said, keeping him, if there is obviously coaching changes and uh, the goalkeeper coach moves on mm. from here, then you would have to bring in a new goalkeeper because usually the goalkeeper coach... have to, but yeah. But goalkeeping coach usually wants their own goalkeeper, as we've seen in the past couple, two, three goalkeepers. Yeah, I, I personally think Marinovic will move on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. think Richie will end up in Cincinnati. I think Roe will go... 
And we'll just have a new starter with a couple of regular yeah. yeah, Ro- Ro- I like the idea of bringing Hassel in as the third. Oh, yeah, I like Hassel too. Um, Roe, do we know? Does anyone know if his contract next year is guaranteed? No idea. But yeah. they, they can I don't think just so. not take options. I, or d- just I, I, doubt, I doubt they do I mean, that yeah. for backup goalkeepers. I, for Spencer Ritchie, I also personally think for his own good, he shouldn't come back just to be back up here. Yeah. Um, he either needs to look to, to be a starter somewhere, maybe in USL. Or go to Cincinnati where Alan Koch knows what he can do and he's maybe going to get minutes or at least push whoever they have as yeah. the starter. Well, we'll see what happens yeah. with Alan. I think that he's, he would be on the bubble for me. You, 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 you guys know Hassel far better. Like, how, how far away is he from... Oh, from he's that? still... Yes, he's still... For oh, me, a while. Yeah, two, three years. So what is it? What is it? Commanding the area, working with his back four. Like what is it? Just experience, young. I think really, it's just okay. he's got good command of the area. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember what the scout told me, but yeah, he's got a good. He's he's just got to work. Shot stopper. He's a good shot stopper. I think he just needs to work on experience, like he said. Yeah, commanding of, the of box. Commanding and, the box. Okay. Yeah, and, and only went to went to attack the ball and went to sit back. But I mean that that's where our USLT. Oh, yeah. right. So, but no, but here's the thing, right? If you had Richie, Melvin, and Hassel, right? Like, if you wanted to uh, spend a salary budget, whatever, other other places, you have three young keepers that you yeah. could you could like you could go with, especially if you're supposedly trying to bring players through. Especially if you really believe in young players. Although I know Richie's not super young, and you're saving international spot too. You, you're saving it, right? Well, yeah, because yeah, Richie's American, right? Yeah. Um, so that 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 is one way you could go. Yeah, like go go with one of these young guys and see and and see if they can make it work. And if anyone is, is listening and wondering why we're doing this now and not at the end of the season, we just thought with it being the bye week, it was yeah. a, it was a good talking point, and it's never too early to kind of spend this money. Okay, so <laughs> let's not let's not dwell on the keepers yeah. too much. So let's defense. Go, let's go to fullbacks first. Yes, we got Nowiski. And Franklin on the right, Levi's and De Jong on the left. So Jake, I think, is back for sure. Hundred percent. I think Brett is back for sure. I think so. De Jong I, got his contract extension, right? Yeah. So I think he's back for I sure. I think. I think. I don't think you want to make too many changes to everything. I know you're. You, you know, you're saying it's the fourth worst uh, thing, but there's been a lot of uh, circumstances. But I think uh, changing in other positions will help that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do kind of want to blow this team up, though. You can't blow them up too much because then you'll just be starting from scratch and you'll be yeah. basically an expansion team. So you got to have some continuity from one year to the other. Um, I think the one guy that goes out of those four is Franklin. Yeah. I think you got to bring in somebody not younger but si- similar age to their whiskey who can kind of challenge him and push him a little bit and not worry about like Franklin. I thought he had some good games, but I think he's kind of worn down yeah. as the year's gone. He, he hasn't been the. As good an addition as I hoped he would be. I don't think he's well, he, pushed Jake yeah, as he, much as I thought he would. He's yeah. not as a, athletic as he once was. And so he's he can't keep up with the wingers when he goes. His performances, yeah, maybe haven't been as out like uh, eye-catching in, in in one sense. In, in, sorry, in the positive sense. But overall, I haven't been disappointed with him here. Not, I just, not hugely. I just, th- I just think, again, you if you want to, you can probably spend less salary budget yeah. there and bring in someone yeah. with a little bit less experience. Maybe even from the draft. Oh, you could. It didn't work out last year, though. Mm. Um, um, yeah. Left side, uh, mm. left side, uh, Deong and Levi's. Like you said, yeah, Deong yeah, is supposed to I was thinking Levi's would get loaned out, but after his game last time, yeah. and the fact that he played ninety minutes, and just the way he connected with Davies, who are, I don't know who's going to be there next year, but it, he was so impressive. M- M- yes, 
Oh, yeah, right. Uh, uh, but whoever, whoever it is, I think I think Levi's showed a lot just that one game. If he hadn't, if he hasn't got over this whole cramp thing, yeah, I I would sadly let him go. But if he if he has got on top of it now, yeah, yeah definitely very happy to have him and, and Marcel challenging. Remember, he was and gone I'd like for, Brett to be the starter. He was gone for eighteen months, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So it takes it does take a little bit of time to get back into full shape. Uh, centre backs is interesting. Centre backs, okay. So obviously the one that's the question mark because we don't know. Like obviously some people have inside information probably, but Waston, we don't know. Everybody, you, Michael, you've been saying he's gone. But you said he was gone after the World Cup. Obviously, I think he would have if he'd played all three games. Yeah, and I I know that. But the thing is, how many teams out there are going to want a, a center back north of thirty? And what, like, where, yeah. where, where in Europe are, are they looking? European teams are usually looking for younger players because they want to develop those players. So I don't know how many options he has, but. He might just move on just for the sake of moving on if he's got that strong connection with Robbo and Robbo. But if anyone has done their scout, well, also depends where Robbo ends up. Yeah. Because if he ended up back in, in England, for example, he may want to take him. Yeah, I mean, if he's in the system, he'll, with him. He'll, he'll talk up the coach mm. to bring him over. The other guys you got is Henry, you got Mond, and you got Aha. Of, of those three other three and guys. Dominguez. Oh, right, Dominguez. But I, I haven't seen him play, so I don't know. Uh, of those three, though, that have played this year, I'm thinking Aha's the one that's got to go because I just haven't seen enough from him. Maybe he's maybe he's got something, but I I, I like Mond and Henry more, if, especially if Henry wants to stay one more year and kind of kind of keep working on his game while he's trying to get that contract in Europe. For for Daniel's sake, I hope he can go uh, back to Europe. But if he can't, then I'd be happy for him to to be yeah. here. Yeah, I, I'm 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 the same. He he wanted, I think, to be here a year, prove himself. Prove that he's injury free, yeah. and then go back to Europe. That hasn't worked out. Well, only because he punched the wall. No, but well, no, he, got, no he, he got injured. Yeah, he got injured. Oh yeah, at the start of the season. But that, but when p- people go through uh, knee injuries, yeah, they usually have other like hamstrings and calves and other strains that are going on along with that. If Waston was to move on, I genuinely think he will. But a lot will depend as well on on the what coach comes in because the coach is going to have his own ideas. He may not fancy the likes of Aha. I think Aha was brought in to be the replacement for Timmy Parker for this season and beyond. I don't know, though, that he has shown his worth. I wouldn't be too sad to see him move on. Um, if you're looking for some continuity, though, you can't get rid of all your centre-backs, no, potentially. Can't. Mond, I'd keep Mond. I'd keep Mond as a number three. A couple num- of weeks ago, th- I would have said no. but yeah, no, Mond, I'd I, I keep Mond yeah. as a number three for sure. Like at least the number three, yeah. and I'd keep Henry, yeah. and I'd probably let Aha go and think Kendall will move on, and we don't know what Dominguez will bring. And then you bring in like a Tam center back to replace Waston. Um, let's go to a, a holding midfielder slash box to box, like those two guys that are sometimes standing in the shield. This will take us ten minutes. We've got about twenty players. Okay, so position. I'll quickly name them. Um, you got Juarez, Felipe, Mach, Gazal, Tybert, Norman, and obviously the recently signed Baldissimo. For me. You got basically what uh, we have seven players there, including Baldissimo. You got to cut three of those guys out, at yeah. least three. And uh, the guys I'm thinking is obviously Juarez. <laughs> obviously, I'm going to say Juarez. Um, and then you got much. I think is going to go back. We all yeah. talked about that before. We, we knew that coming in that he yeah. was a yeah. one year thing. And the other guy. So the last one out of those three that we should cut, I think, is either Felipe or Gazal. And it all depends on what you want. I've been I've been on Felipe's side. Recently, I'm kind of really 
like right in the middle, stuck in the middle. And I'm kind of leaning more towards Gazal because of what he's shown. Does Ali G have? Does he have uh, aspirations to go back to Europe? I, I don't know, but he, I don't know um, if he's back in the Egyptian team setup. Yeah, I might, it that, might be interesting what the coach says to him. Yeah, but obviously he has played in Europe at a high level in La Liga yeah. and had fallen out of favour with the previous coaches. Because I, I did ask him about playing for Egypt when he first came here and he's like, because I said, do, do you think this might put you back in the shop window? And he's like, I was in La Liga. If that doesn't put me in the shop window, all respect to MLS, I don't think this will. Yeah. Yeah. But it did. Yeah. So it de- really depends if the coach says we'd rather have you... Closer. Closer. But if for me, you have to keep Ali Gazal for one more season. If you can, yeah. Obviously, Tybert Valdissimo definitely are, are going to be here. I would let Juarez go, and that's going to free up a whack of salary. Much we, like we Much go obviously. back. I, I would, I'd keep Felipe, because I know what he's done in the league. But, but at the same time, I also think he is great trade bait. Yeah. Someone will take and Felipe the, and the because thing is, of what he's done in the and league. And the thing is with Felipe, you can't keep him, because if you want to bring in... Like, personally, my biggest need that we have on this team is a designated player who can be box to box can play back in the thing but can also attack so that's my number one need if you keep felipe you're basically taking that slot out of the so so i i i i would i would keep ali g i would keep rusty um do you have dave dave norman going on loan no yeah three canadians no no i think i i put put norman as your number four guy at at that that position so he's basically uh, a backup to one of the spots, yeah. And I would see him getting at least ten games in next year, at least ten. Again, this is going to depend on the message to the coach. If they go with integrate the yeah. guys, yeah. get the minutes. Do now, if not, I'm pretty sure him and his agent will be pushing for another loan deal. If he goes, does really well with Queen of the South, wouldn't be surprised to see that extended to the end of the season, which yeah. would keep him away to the summer. Yeah, that's true. Then it's hard for him to come back in the middle of an MLS season and force himself into the reckoning of the team. So it's an interesting one. He could then get loaned out to CPL or something. Did no, you, did, I, 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 I think he's him, better than that. No, I, I see him playing um, a lot of minutes next year. Did you, did you, Enough leave, minutes. Did you leave out Simon Colon because he's... He, I got him out as a different... Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't have him as, okay. as um, DM box to box. Uh, a, couple, a couple of things. The thing about Juarez that I'd be a little bit concerned about, I'd be shocked if he's uh, doesn't have at least one more year guaranteed in his deal. And I, and I think that's going to make it difficult for him to be moved on unless he's someone wants him or yeah. he's bought out. And yeah. you can only buy out one player per year. And they haven't bought out a player since, like, what, Barry Robson? Yep. I, or, or they have a mutual parting of the ways, right. which they he could line something else up. A, a but do you see? Somewhere. But do you see him getting paid what he's getting paid here, and then saying, "I'll walk, I'll walk away." I well, can't see him getting. Well, I I know he got offers. Oh yeah, right. He got more. Coming yeah, here, more, yeah. but he could have got more. Yeah, okay. but he chose to come to Canada just because not so much the lifestyle, but the safety aspect compared yeah. to Mexico, just for his family. Yeah. So. For him, money is not the the motivating factor. It's a a, a safe place for for his family. Yeah, I I don't see him having a future here. If you were to ask me right now about Felipe, I think Felipe will move on. I just don't want him to, but I think he will move on. Yeah, that's fair. So the next spot uh, we have is uh, the the other position you were talking about, more of a 
a number 10 slash, uh, like... Attacking An mid. 8 to 10. Yeah, with Ron Stryker, kind of a, a number 10 spot. False 9. Yeah, oh, we got a Reina, obviously. That's the position I'm thinking, yeah. Reina. Um, you got uh, Mosquita. Yeah. And then you got Colin. Now, Colin, I think, I think he's ideal to either play in the academy with the U19s or he's going to be playing in CPL, one or the other. Yeah. Um, Mosquita, I think, will be moving on. Yeah, I, I believe he's, he's, he's already a, got a deal lined up to to take him. Let's just say to Scandinavia. Oh wow, that's obviously rumors and innuendo. Mm. Okay, um, and then you got Reina. I think Reina stays, especially if the new coach likes him. If or if Robbo stays, then yeah. Robbo. And likes as long him. as he keeps himself no. out of trouble in the off season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I would think that if that's another spot, I think you would want to bring a young designated player in that spot. What do you guys think? That seems to be successful for a number of teams. That sounds they, too logical, Steve. The, the young DPs <laughs> seem to slot into box-to-box or, or a, a, a number 10. Yeah. That seems to be what some of the more successful teams in, in MLS have done with their, Look, y- their young Dallas DPs. Look, FC Dallas does yeah. that regularly. So that makes total sense to me. Okay, so that's an easy one then. Wingers, obviously this, that's going to be a lot of upheaval there. Yeah. Um, you got... <laughs> you got... Beanie's already gone, obviously. You got um, Brexier... You got Alfonso, he's never leaving. Alfonso Davies. No, he, <laughs> I think he's, I, he's a he's a lifer now. He's no, going to retire at thirty six in Vancouver. I think he'll be. I think this will be his last year. Um, I, I, I can guarantee this will be his last yeah. year. In Davies. I don't know. Have we checked his contract situation? <laughs> Have we read the fine I mean, print? Yeah. Can someone please read the fine print? I believe it's in a, a six font. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alfonso Davies obviously moving on, and then you got Christian Tichera, and you got Theo Bear, who will be signing next year when yes. he turns eighteen. Now, I think Theo Bear is an ideal guy to be a number four, or number five. I think I would or actually, a lone candidate. or a lone candidate. Um, Tachera, I think I think is the only one you would keep. Obviously, Davies is already gone, anyways. I, I think Tachera will go. I I just don't see if Robbo goes. Then it'll be a complete up. Here's yeah. one thing I didn't say. Earlier. If Robbo goes, you're going to see a lot of his guys go. Yeah, yeah. Tachera is one of them. Yeah, and Mosquito is one of them. Yeah. So I, uh, they're obviously I, but I wouldn't spend I wouldn't spend a DP money on on that spot. I would spend um, maybe one, get one tam player and then get a couple of players in the two hundred to three hundred range, and then you got the young guy. There's definitely there. some affordable wingers yeah. that you, you can bring in. I, I agree. I wouldn't like waste a DP spot on a winger. Last spot, obviously, we got striker. Uh, you got Kamara. You got Blundell. You got Hurtado. You got Bevan. My personal feeling, I think Blundell either. Either this was an off year where he got like he just wasn't used to the culture and the area around here. I think he gets loaned out if nobody wants to you, buy him. You can't you can't discount how uh, off the field things can impact on the field. Yeah, for sure. Like being away from family and stuff like that. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the like Kamara. What do you guys? Th- I think Kamara's the big. I think I think her title will stay no matter. What. I, I think her title is the guy you're talking about the, as a lifer. Yeah, he's going to retire at 38 <laughs> as a Vancouver Whitecap. Oh, um, Still getting a couple of goals a year probably as well. And I think anybody who comes in here will like what Bevan offers because he's a young guy. See, I agree with that, but, but I think Bevan will go because oh, at his age... You are blowing this up. Yeah, no, no, I, but at his, yeah. he has to play. Yeah, yeah, He's no. an international now, but he's on the... Like he's on the cusp of becoming the full international from being the under twenty three international. Yeah. His agent's going to be saying to him, "Look, you need to go and play." Still young. Yeah, I just think he will go. Well, the big question is, what do you think of Kamara? I would bring him back in a heartbeat. 100%. I don't think they will. I think he'll move on. Is it, is his deal not guaranteed? One more year? 
Oh, he's. He, I don't think. I think he's I know he's for next year. I think he's guaranteed for next year. I don't so. know what's an option or whatever. There's, but there's I think ways he's you can move. Right. Full coin. But I, I, I just. I would certainly have him back here. Like how how many how many years in a row do you want to go with moving your top school? I, I don't. So that's exactly why I want to keep him. No, but I know. But if you look that, like, how many times does that happen? And this is what year eight. It's happened at least three, four years. You have to look at who they might bring in and what formation a new coach might want to play. Right. So if if the new coach is like, I'm only playing a one striker, and my DP guy is a striker, Kai, you're going to have a more of a bench role. That might not Does work Kai out. want more of a bench role? Right. He already wants to play every single game and Robo has to kind of speak to him and say, look, for your own good. And I think he's starting to come around to realise that the coaches and all the medical staff that do all this, they are saying, look, sit this one out for your own good. And he has benefited. Yeah, He's having a good season. Maybe not the Golden Boots season I had him lined up for. But, but, but slightly better but than Fernando Addy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I would like him back. Hurtado, yeah, have him back as well. Do think Bevan will go? Blondell, Blondell I can see is, a loan. He's on a guaranteed deal, no matter what. In South America, yeah. you're not going to have paid that transfer fee and just yeah. let him go. They want to recoup. Was that. it one point three, one point seven, one point three? Right? It was one. I thought one point one, but okay. So, Whatever it is, it could yeah. be like it was an odd number. It could be a Rivero situation where you loan him out. He really does well somewhere else, and somebody wants to buy him off you. At, uh, you know, he impresses somebody yeah. in that league that down South America. So. To, to quickly that, that wrap this section Whatever up the, yeah, yeah, with a couple of quick questions. Pressing needs, DPs. Like, we're hoping for three DPs with this money. What What are your pressing needs to, to fill with three DPs? A striker, um, a young DP at number 10, and a young, uh, no, young, uh, uh, re- your best DP as the box-to-box. Zach? Uh, it's hard to disagree with that. Because uh, I think the box-to-box will help the defense too yeah because that guy will control the ball and move the ball around and that will le- give up left's possession for everybody else the, especially the opposition the box to box i wouldn't have as a dp just because we've got a lot of depth and we don't know what formation you're asking, you're asking I, for trouble i would rather have a dp center back than a box to box yeah okay. mls will never approve we just have to, oh yeah but we have to we've got to do something with that defense you cannot have the same players that's given up all these goals. I'm, and I know I'm, we've talked a lot of it has come from the midfield. Yeah, I think so. But I I, I think I, a more... Like if Kendall moves, we need an experienced centre-back in there. Yeah. And I think a, a DP centre-back would, would be ideal for that. I think if you could find another Kendall Waston somewhere, like in another lower league, and not have to pay him a DP mm. salary, I think that's worth it there. But the thing it's is, not Kendall, easy to find that kind of player. Kendall, but if you Kendall's can. deal, he's easily a tan player. Like yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, but I'm saying you buy a young, a younger yeah, Kendall yeah. version, and it, it's either. Uh, uh, I, uh, I th- th- those positions, Steve. I think that uh, I think Steve is is kind of bang on because the, the one thing that's not been great in the entire MLS era of the Whitecaps is the midfield. It has never been like the whole midfield. You've never been crazy confident the midfield can run and dominate a game, uh, and so I think there's wisdom in what Steve is saying. However, wow. those those three positions that Steve mentioned: striker, attacking midfielder, and and box to box, are probably you know the three positions that, that every, are hardest to yeah, find. Everybody's looking hardest for. to find because everyone's looking for them, and yeah. and there's not, not you're not going to find domestics in, no, in MLS sure. quote unquote MLS domestics. Oh, those are all areas. internationals for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone wants a prolific goal scorer. Yeah, that it's just finding him. But 
that's it for the Whitecaps chat, at least for now. We've got a little bit of retro Whitecaps chat coming up in part four. But in the next part, we're going to look at Canada and the men's national team. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. That was Vancouver band You Say Party there. They no longer have the We Say Die part, it's just You Say Party. That was Teenage Hit Wonder. A lot of teenagers today. Yeah, they, they were wonderfully hitting some shots for Canada. So, yeah. very young Canadian national team squad to, to take on the US Virgin Islands. We saw them in action this afternoon, although I didn't, I didn't actually watch the game. Very much like the Whitecaps, this feels like something of a crossroads for the Canadian national team. And how they how they approach this game definitely f- seemed like a bit of a new era. We know it is a new era under John Herdman. They had a record-breaking win there. 8-0 over the Virgins. Two goals from Lucas Cavallini. Two from Kyle Lahren. Two from Jonathan David. One from Jonathan Osario and one from Junior Hoylett. Two assists for Fonzie and two from good old Scottish captain Scotty Arfield. It's Canadian. Daniel Henry, he started. Marcel de Jong came on as a sub. Yep. No minutes though for Rusty. So just like a Whitecaps yeah, uh, appearance. Hard to take a lot from a game like that where you absolutely steamroller the, the opposition. But a couple of things. It was a very attacking lineup. Fonzie. They had, they had like two defenders. Yeah. Fonzie was left back, was he? <laughs> and Liam Miller was right back, even though he's usually a striker. Yeah, he yeah. was He was right back. Yeah. It was like a, a, a new two at the back formation with yeah. six it, midfielders. Somebody was saying it was, it was saying it was 2 5 2. John Herdman is taking the men's game by storm. 2 5 yes. 3. Bringing new ideas to it. Was a, it was like a, yeah, 2 5 3. I mean, or two, what, two, six, two. what were your thoughts just on the whole result in the game? I, I think they, they 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 can't get too carried away with all these these quote unquote records, right? Yeah. Um, but but honestly, in the past, playing a yes, team like this, yes, they would only score yeah. two yeah. or three goals. That's, That's the most. That's fair. That is, a if fair not squeezing it's just a one goal. Game so you it, you should feel good, but it's kind of like feel good for like the day, yes. and then you got to yes. move on. Yes. Has it exercised the demons of Honduras? <laughs> no, because it wasn't against Honduras in Honduras. Good point. Big plus was Jonathan David getting two goals. Yeah. I thought they would have maybe capped Boosty, capped Tyden, but they didn't. Maybe later. Mm. The aim of this Nations League is to, to try and eliminate meaningless friendlies. But you have a game against the US Virgin Islands that is basically just a glorified friendly. And I know you've got Gold Cup qualification and World Cup qualifying seating on the line. Yeah. But it's hard to see these but, games. But, as the, but this game would never. Much. I don't think this game would, would ever been scheduled. 
Yeah, no, they were never scheduled this for it. How do we get fans out to the two home games if this is oh, what it's going to be? Oh, the fans will go to the, the fans are going to show up in Toronto for this. You might not get the t- fans from the other country to show up, yeah. but you will yeah. get the Canadian but fans. No, that's not going to be a problem. The, pro- the the huge thing about this, Michael, is now Canada has to play games. The, the CSA can't be like, oh, we can only afford so many. We're going to play in this yes. window, or we're going to play in that's Europe or in no weird, somewhere. Yeah, weird games in Portugal. And- yeah. These these are going to be that's ho- a very wise statement from Zach. Yeah. I thought I paid it back. <laughs> these are <laughs> these are going to have some home games to look forward to. Unfortunately, yeah. none of them are going to be in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, Ever again, every, yeah. But um, th- this is this is a this is a huge thing. It might seem you know right now it might seem not great or like whatever. Just they're whipping some teams or whatever. But I think you I think you'll see in Toronto. I think people are going to come to see a Canada side that attacks, that's young, that's youthful, that's exciting. Uh, and, also, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be similar in October. Cuba put the gauntlet down now for Canada by hammering Turks and Caicos and yeah. loving nil, and that's against two countries. Yes. So I mean, Canada's got Classic. to up the game a little bit. And one's a European side. Sounds like Turks. Mm. Now, despite playing a minnow, <laughs> despite playing a minnow, Canada basically got all their big guns to, to commit to the squad. Atiba Hutchison was obviously missing, but I mean, and, they, they got a lot of the guys out. And and the thing is, is I saw a tweet something, and I I, I didn't get to watch the game either, um, but there was a tweet where somebody heard John Herdman when they were up 3 nothing say, I want two more. So the, the John Herdman was going for it with that line. Well, goal difference could play yeah. into it. Oh, you, you still never know that. Yeah. But it, it's going to be tough for Herdman to, to manage some of the players with this because you've got the likes of say David Witherspoon for example who's committed to Canada from Scotland on the bench today flew over from St Johnston didn't get on the pitch you can only play 14 players if you're using your three subs so there's going to be some guys that are going to be like well why am I even bothering committing to this Michael Michael, again I think we said this before you're saying this is somehow a problem for Canada this is a problem we've never known before in, in this way and I think that's a, yeah, that's a good could, thing. Yeah, but it could reverse is yeah, what I'm it's saying. Just, Michael just wants to cause it, problems. It, sure, it could. But let's deal with that when it happens. Like, this is a positive. You have all these all these people who want are young and want to play for Canada. They see the opportunity. They know there's a home uh, a co-hosted home World Cup. You got to you got to take it. You got to strike while the iron's hot. And I think that's what they're doing. Yeah. One guy though that did commit did get minutes, got two assists, wore the captain's armband, was Scott Arfield, and I got a chat to chance to chat with Scott on Friday. Let's bring that for you now. And I wear it for my lady, the Canadian flag, baby! Just want to talk a little bit about Canada and a, a little bit about your your season so far. So, obviously it's a, a new era for the team under John Herdman. What have you noticed from being in the camp so far that, that maybe feels a little bit different with it all? Uh, I, I think the attention to in terms of John and his staff, um, there's been no stone unturned in this in the preparation for the games. Uh, there's no hiding place for, for the game on Sunday, so if, you, if we fall down with a bad result, then it's completely on us. Um, so I think we've, t- we've took responsibility. They've given us everything that has been asked. So I think the responsibility is completely with the players now because I think the staff and um, in particular the manager has completely put that, that responsibility on us. So we as players need to come up on Sunday and, and manage that game as, as well as we need to, to get a good result. 
Now, it's obviously a, a young squad that that's been put together for this one. You're kind of one of the veterans in it, which is kind of crazy, I know, to say at 29. But are you enjoying this kind of, I guess, veteran role or more leadership role that you've got with the group now? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think it's kind of got that at the end of it at the minute as well because uh, we've got a predominantly a, a very young squad there as well. So um, I'm enjoying that role. It's, um, it's one that you, you look back to a lot of experience from, from what you've uh, through my career so far. So I think that's one that, <clears throat> for us, is, is the veteran, so to speak, in this, this squad. We've got massive responsibility to, to make sure that the, the younger lads in this, in this squad stay young, stay young and free, because the, the more you get into football, the, your freedom and your, and your freeness and your, um, your almost your exuberance kind of, kind of leaves you because you get bogged down with tactics and responsibilities. So... In, in my aspect, I've, I've let the young lads be young lads and, and enjoy this camp as much as possible. So that's the, that's the most important thing that I've this out of this one. And a lot of talks, obviously, looking forward to 2026 because we're hosting the, the World Cup here. But talking to John and talking to some of the, the Whitecaps players, I know there's a real belief in the squad that you can qualify for 2022. But when you look at some of the young, exciting talent like Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, you must be really hopeful that, that this next campaign is, is the one that's going to take you back to the World Cup. Yeah, I think so. I think definitely this is by far the, the strongest squad overall that I've, that I've been involved with in the national squad. I remember kind of when I first came, it was, it was only kind of two names that people knew, and it was a T-Bone Junior. So when people were asking me who plays, it was the two, the two names that I could pull off. Now I can pull off six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten names that, they, that people know around around world football. So I think that's how far the standard of players come in this country. Uh, and, and hence the reason why we're looking forward to 2022 because everybody's got the same feeling that, that this, is a, this is a positive time and a, and a really important time for Canadian, Canadian soccer. So we should be looking forward to this one. We should be looking forward to the Gold Cup to qualify for that one see where that takes us and then and straight into Qatar 2022 because for, for some years this will be the um, the best chance we've got to go to a World Cup and you know I think we need to be a realist and, and 2022 would probably be my, be my best chance and this is an opportunity you don't want to let slip especially with the standard of player and, and exactly where we are at the minute I think that's what we should be looking to do. One thing that's kind of impressed me with this squad is like we've seen it in the past here we've seen it with, with Scotland in the past when it's a a game against a minnow, a lot of the players, especially for kind of the European ones, they kind of pull out. But, I mean, yourself, you've already played 10 games this year and you've been to some wild-flung places in, in Eastern Europe. And what was important for you, though, to, to not sort of say, oh, I've got a knock, I don't want to come and be part of the squad for this match? Yeah, well, that, that was kind of the, um, the decision that I made. I knew that, I knew that this is where this is where it takes you. When I made the decision to um, to transition from from Scott, Scots nationality to, to Canadian to play here, I kind of know that it's going to take you to far and wonderful places. So that that was one of the, the kind of the positive because I, I like travelling the world. It's a bonus that you're playing football doing it. So um, if you're going to do that, then you shouldn't have put on that jersey, and that's certainly not my nature to do so. Um, and obviously with Europa, it was a it was a bonus with Europa. Travelling, travelling straight through there, and uh, we feel we believe that we're going to get to the to group stages. Thankfully, we've done so. So, Rangers fans are back buzzing about that. So, that's just another bonus that you've got more games. Um, the downside of that, and that's 
three days off in, in this break around probably on average of the club. So you miss that sort of sort of thing, but that's a that's a decision you take with your family when you're going to represent a, a huge nation like this and and to start the process of being successful again. So um it's never in my makeup to throw an injury in anyway. If I'm if I ever miss a squad then it's a um that's a, that's a decision that I think is a benefit to, to everybody. And obviously you are back in Scotland now for the, the first time since 2010 and leaving Falkirk. How have you found like the whole move back? I know when you're when you're playing for either of the old firm teams, it, it can get really intense on both sides. But, I mean, how have you found it so far in your first months back there? Yeah, well, luckily, obviously, I was brought up with the whole Celtic Rangers. I knew how, how big the country was. Um, how much the scrutiny in the country was towards these two clubs. So I was quite lucky because I've, I've played with players and I've um, I've mates with players that, that didn't know how big it was before they made the jump. Uh, so I knew that. So I was quite prepared for that. I think um, I'm still finding my feet in terms of the uh, the pattern of play that that the manager wants to play and and obviously the opposition that we play. So I'm still finding it um, educational coming back. I think it's kind of moved on since I've since I left ten uh, I think it was ten years ago so or eight years ago so it's um yeah it's still education I'm still finding my feet into this but I think um, around Christmas time when you fully get get up to speed with the with the game and the opposition and and the tactics that they're going to deploy against against the Rangers team that can hurt anybody in the day then I think we'll see the best is at the, the back end of this season. Uh, I know it wasn't the result you were wanting in in your first old firm game but. What was that whole experience like for you? I know, I know you played in a cup final in 2009, but was that maybe the biggest game that you've played in? And, and how did you find that, that first Old Firm game? Uh, in terms of fixture, by far the biggest, yeah. I think um, iconic around the world. I've got the, the, boys here, the boys here were asking me about that game as well. So it's, it's iconic around every part of the, part of the globe. So um, I'm quite glad the first one's out of the way because... You kind of you build yourself up. Everybody talks about that fixture, so you build yourself up thinking about it, thinking about it. So I'm glad that it's over. I'm, um, I think we'll be better for it. I think there was six debutants into that uh, into that sort of fixture. I think Celtic, in terms of experience, had, had far better um, ways of managing the game and managing the, the event, so to speak. I think the, the managers obviously knew in the fixture, so I think it was good. I don't, I don't obviously we never got the. Um, the result we wanted, but I mean, everyone really turned up in the day. It was quite a flat performance from us, and um, I think as time goes on, as I say, I think our our season will be a marathon. I think we will get stronger together, and if you're going to if you're going to be successful, then you need to beat the best teams. And, and Celtic around the last um, eight to ten years have been have been far the better, by far the better team, and they're, they're champions for a reason. So you need to bring the responsibility up to to be successful, and you need to start beating them. So. I think we've got the we've got the capabilities and the, and the mentality within the dressing room now to, to kind of change the feeling of this whole fixture now. So that's exactly what we're looking to do. Playing obviously for Rangers, playing in old firm games, going to these like hostile European environments, it, it must only bode well for like when you have to go to some of these Concacaf countries like Mexico, like Honduras, where they really turn up the hostile environment. So I guess this is kind of going to be a, a bit of a good grounding for you. Um, never been in in my life. I think uh, you take the experiences 
you know, there were there was forty degrees or late thirty degrees and in an environment that there was thirty thousand before we even turned up, we couldn't get the bus into the into the stadium. So it's sort of stuff that you just don't see. Uh, and that was another reason why why I wanted to do this and, and see the different side of football and the different parts of the world that experiences that I would never ever even dream of, dream of having was was on my doorstep. So I'm so I'm so glad that I, that I went and done them and, and as you say, it bodes well for your experience to pass on because there's, there's younger lads here at the minute that, that have never been into that environment. It's up to us and the, the older and the experienced ones to pass that on. So it isn't as much as a shock as it was to me when I went into that environment. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Scott, and, and good luck with everything. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much. That's great. Cheers, Scott. When I walk through the quiet night And the shadow of fiery chest I will fear no evil Wrapped in the Canadian flag Steve, I don't know about you, but I didn't understand a word either of them said. It was hard. It was bad connection. <laughs> Love Scotty Arfield. Who doesn't? Still wish he was playing for Scotland. But anyway, I'm glad he's playing for Canada. <laughs> Did he ever play for Scotland? He played a, a B, B level and under 21 and stuff like that. Oh. But but made the right choice. Finally as well, very apt music. The Yummy Fur there, a Glasgow band. Scott Arfield is now in Glasgow playing for Rangers. So. I had a couple of folk ask me what this Canadian flag song is that, that I have played. So it's by the Yummy Fur, Glaswegian band. Check out their stuff. Recommend their second album, Kinky Cinema. But one of the things which he said in speaking to Marcel de Jong last week, this firm belief in the squad that forget 2026, they're good enough to make 2022. And that's what all this focus is on. That's why these players are committing mm-hmm. now for these games because they want to be part of this. Yeah. And they're excited by it. You have to feel 2022 is really a realistic option for this team. I think the, uh, oh, oh, right now at this point, I'm willing to go that it's a realistic option to make the hex. If there is a hex, yeah, I don't know I, what that qualification process. They absolutely be. gutted if we don't make the hex. Yeah, this they're, round. they're definitely in a good spot for make that. Obviously, once that happens, then anything can happen from going forward. I think uh, this is great. This is all great. The, the attitude, the the posturing, uh, it's great. It, it's it's really really encouraging. Uh, in terms of is it can this become a reality, Michael? In terms of you know is 2022 a real possibility? I think the biggest question marks are in defense. Like there's so many, so yeah. many weapons we didn't going. Need one today, right? There's so many weapons going forward with this team. You have to have concerns, especially I think about the center backs. Are they going to be good enough uh, to to be able to do what's needed to be done to qualify for the World Cup? Yeah. Just have to go with the whole Kevin Keegan score one more goal than the opposition Newcastle approach, and hey, there we are. Well, Herdman's a he's from, a Jordy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So <laughs> it's been real buying though from the squad. It appears under Herdman. We've not seen a lot to judge him on, but positive signs so far. Do you agree? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Going to play a little bit from John Herman. He did a couple of conference calls in the build-up to the game. We brought you both of those in our extra podcast that came out on Friday. But I just want to play the two questions I asked him in those calls, and we'll just play that for you now. You've been in the role for approaching eight months now. For you personally, how have you found the transition in these eight months from the the women's game into what you've got? And what's been the biggest challenges for you on a personal level? Yeah, good question. It's been bloody hard. It's been the hardest transition in my career. 
you know, number one, saying goodbye to a group of players that you've worked with and pretty much giving your heart and soul to for, for coming up seven years and you've got some great relationships with, you know, and, and then having to hand that, that thing over, you know, handing it over to, to Kenneth Hingham on it, that's tough. You know, it's still something that you're deeply invested in. But there was an emotional piece around that. And then, you know, I think all the questions, which you knew were coming, you know, the questions where people were without any confidence. You know, you, you've delivered two iconic moments for a country. You've delivered gold medals at Pan Am Games, you know, back-to-back podiums. You've Algarve Cups. You've taken the team to a top-four ranking. You know, you've, you've helped develop players that have gone on to play at the PSG and... and you know, won UEFA Champions League, but you're still getting asked the question, can you coach with men? I mean, I think it's, it's a, it was just a, a sad indictment of some of the mindsets that, that still exist, but you had to deal with it. Um, and when you're dealing with that, it's, uh, it becomes that level of clutter, but at the same time, it becomes your mountain and your motivation to prove a few people wrong, which, which you know, I don't mind having that as a motivator. And then, you know, working with the players now, it's, it's a different cut. It's, it is different. It's, it's different in that you see that, you know, working with the women's team, it was very clear that the women's national team was the, the top of the pinnacle for those, for those players. There was nothing bigger than representing Canada. But for many of the young players I'm speaking to, you know, you can see the club before country. You know, the two-on event was an eye-opener for me that, you know, 10 players that should have been there weren't there, either through, you know, planning that should have been done two years ago for a big event like that that wasn't done, or that, you know, playing for Real Madrid or Manchester United is more important than playing for Canada. And that's a new experience for me, you know, coming from a, a, a different culture. So... You know, dealing with that where the shirt isn't as important to people. It's important, but not as important. And, you know, rebuilding that, that focus or trying to redevelop a, a culture and a vision and an identity around what this national team has to become. So it's been a hell of a challenge. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've come in, you know, I, I had a big transition to, 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 to undertake and rebuild some new processes, new staff to immerse into the culture. Uh, it's been big, but it's no different to our experience in 2011 when I turned up and the only thing left was the equipment person. And no files, no, no systems, no processes. It all went with the, uh, the previous coaching staff. So if I'm being brutal, you know, we've started from scratch. It's been three men, Joey Lombardi, I've got to say, he's got a hell of a shift in, five in the morning, so... Eight at night, 15 hour days, and, and you know, I'm doing the best job in the world. I'm not complaining. It's just been a hell of a challenge and enjoying every minute, but uh, it's, it's not been easy. Earlier in this year, you had kind of talked about wanting to make sure that the Canadian young players were in the best environment for them to, to get the minutes that they need to develop. I'm just wondering how those talks went with the, the MLS sides in particular, because obviously there's a lot of Canadian talent that maybe hasn't been getting minutes regularly this year. In Vancouver here, we just saw David Norman, for example, go over to Scotland. But how have those talks gone with the MLS teams? Yeah, I think it's building a relationship. It's, uh, 
know, a lot of the, the work that we've done is starting to, to develop and establish a trust that, first and foremost, that we've, we've got our house in order, we've got our business in order. So we're providing the clubs with information on statistical level, entry, exit information that, that they hadn't received before, the level of detail that we're prepared to show is very different to what, what they've experienced. So I think, you know, the one thing that we wanted to do before we start asking questions and before we start, you know, maybe pushing a, an agenda, we wanted to make sure that, that there's a level of trust that we're prepared to go above and beyond what maybe has happened before and and start start building a relationship. And that, that starts with showing people that you're prepared to actually listen and, and trust and and work harder for them. And I think there will become a point where we can start deepening those conversations. Well, certainly at the youth level, we, um, in two weeks' time, we have a pilot starting uh, in Vancouver Whitecaps, which is our MLS integration approach, where you know our U15 and 17s will hold a, a camp in actual Whitecaps environment. Uh, Mauro Biello, myself, Andrew Oliveri, Joe Lombardi, all the staff will be down working with those young players. I mean, even to get to that level in such a short period of time to break down the barriers that have been there in the past has shown these processes that we want to you know, establish a relationship, a genuine relationship, so we can start periodizing our talent better. We can start using our tournaments to to springboard these players into new environments and work together. You know, the money that we spend on youth development and they spend to synergize that and, and actually try and make it more of a one system. And, and that hasn't happened. And, and it was interesting speaking just to one of the MLS Academy directors and he said for 10 years there's been little trust. But in the first five months, we've had five workshops already with the MLS Academy directors plus the GMs where we've had the clubs together on calls talking about the pathway for these players at the youth level. So it's a process. Like, if you come in and you say, look, we want this and we need that, you actually have to show you're prepared to do things differently and say, we'll give you this. We want to work this way in a way that's going to help you. And then at the same time, once, once we both can get on the same page, I think then you can have real conversations about the future. So I think I think it's progressing. It's been a you know a, a good shift in the relationship with MLS, and you know I can't wait for the CPL clubs to come on board next year as well when they're ready to start talking about the evolution of the youth pathway and how we integrate a one professional system in our country, because I think that's one thing Canada can do. And if you come in and you're telling people what you want, when you want it, it doesn't work in this country. It has to be about trust and. We're building those relationships. We're feeling it, we're seeing it with how things are progressing. So John Herdman there just talking about a couple of things. Just to wrap this section up, one thing I asked him there was about whether the MLS clubs will buy into his vision of making sure that these young Canadian players are in the right environment to make sure they get minutes. So we've seen the likes of David Norman loaned out. There's been a lot of chat about these MLS players possibly getting loaned to the CPL. Do you think the clubs will do this and listen to Herdman or 
will be club before country. It, it only makes sense for them to for their own their, their own future that they play these young Canadians and develop them. Um, everybody's always talked about it, that they're spending so much money in the academies or residencies or whatever you want to call them. And then if you're not going to bring them up to play them, what's the point of having these academies? So Steve, that sounds like an idealism. And though I don't disagree with you in principle, that has not been the case in Vancouver. I would say it's been mixed results in, uh, in Toronto and, uh, Montreal, I'm a little less familiar with their, 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 you know, academy kids or whatever, but I'd say at best mixed results in Montreal. Yeah, Jackson Amel would be one guy that mm-hmm. would be, right. Point two. So uh, to, to, the MLS clubs are going to do what's best for the MLS clubs. Uh, and uh, although I agree with you in principle, Steve, that that would be also what's best for young Canadian players. We have not seen the yeah. evidence of that. No. So I find it hard to believe that they will now. Well, but they're they're being silly. Then they're wasting. They're throwing away money. Then at that point, which just close the academies down if you're not going to do it. Yeah. I I also have no problem with the the clubs putting themselves before country either because I'm a club before country person. Whether it's here or Scotland, I've I've always felt like that. But CPL will certainly change things, and we're going to have some CPL chat in part five. But coming up next is some 1979 soccer ball chat, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting on 101.9 FM. Yesterday was the 39th anniversary of the 1979 Soccer Bowl win, as we talked about at the start of the show. Will we ever see the likes of it again in Vancouver? Not sure we'll see crowds of over 100,000 for a a bus parade, but who knows? Would an MLS Cup win carry the same gravitas as that Soccer Bowl win to you? Yeah, I think I was in the city at that time. Not not definitely near the thing. I was only three. Um... I think it would because I I think the city starves. And first of all, the city is kind of bandwagon jumpers. So there'll be a lot of people who never followed the Whitecaps showing up to that thing. Um, but I think it would because they are starving for a championship I can, of any kind. In terms of the number, I could see more than 100,000. Yeah. yeah, but do you feel it would, would carry the same weight? In, no. Like, if I think, you look I think at that, that soccer ball win and it was a, well, to, to a co- big thing in Vancouver folklore. Obviously, this would be a big thing winning the MLS Cup, but... To quote Is the, it just two different eras? To quote the Portland Timbers Tifo after they won their first MLS Cup, you always remember your first. And so uh, there will always be something special about 79. I think for me, the most one of the most iconic moments, which which we Curva Collective put on the, the Club of Destiny Tifo, is from you know Carl Valentine's, you are, yeah. you're great, you always be great, we're great, whatever. Um, that's obviously a not, solid, yeah. solid yeah. Yeah. reaction of that coach. Yeah. Well, you are we, we are the number one team. You are the number one fans. Right? Yeah, there you yes. go. There. Yeah. Um, just take a little effort to ease that out. It, it was a great team, led by the great Tony Waiters, right? Who went on to lead Canada into the nineteen eighty six World Cup. So you've got a guy that's come over from England, putting himself not just in Vancouver but Canadian soccer folklore, and just fantastic guy and. A few weeks ago, I got a chance to, to speak to him when they were honouring the the 86 Canadian team at BC Place on Canada Day. So I wanted to save that interview for the show closest to the anniversary of that Soccer Bowl win. That is the show. So let's bring that interview for you now. I, I want to talk a little bit with you about Canada, obviously, but also the soccer ball from 1979. Yes. 
like for you, a young lad coming over here, grew up in Southport, played in the UK. Did you ever imagine that you would leave such a mark on not just Vancouver soccer, but like Canadian football in general? No, I mean, uh, it was a great opportunity to come here. I got fired from a previous job and I thank them for, for giving me the opportunity to come here. I, I knew the, the general manager here, John Best. I'd met him at Liverpool when I was on the staff there. And he, he played as a youngster for Liverpool. Um, but, you know, coming here um, w- w- was, was a, a great privilege, actually. We could have put a team on the field with the, uh, uh, the, the, the Whitecaps of 11 Canadians. They, they were that good. That's what surprised me, was the quality of the Canadian player. And we could have put a team on the field and been competitive. Um, so when we get around to the uh, qualifying for the... Well, initially we, we qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, in 84. Which was great because... Uh, it gave us the opportunity to play at a high level and compete at a high level uh, and got us ready for the, uh, for the World Cup qualification. Uh, and uh, what, what struck me about the Canadian player was great attitude, prepared to work on fitness. We went to Mexico not as the best team, but as the fittest team. And we weren't going to actually overcome three European teams yeah. uh, it was a, a, a bit of a tough draw uh, what I was afraid of in 82 El Salvador lost 10-0 to Hungary I remember that very well <laughs> and where are you from originally? I'm from Fife in Scotland oh, yeah. Yeah. well I, I played most of my career at Blackpool and it was like a mini Scotland yeah. all, all, all the Scottish players like to go to Blackpool so so we had some very good, very good players. It's not the same today, is it? No, not at all. It's like you look around, like the the top league, the first division back then. It was all Scots, like Liverpool, yes. and now there's hardly any. I know. Right. They, they used to call them Tanner ball players, yeah. didn't they? But they play on the, you know, like like kids did here. You know, the Lennardoses and, uh, and and Dale Mitchells. They played, played, played. And that's where you become a good player. Yeah. Um, I want to show you something. A little trip down memory lane for you. Oh, okay. These are all the guys from the 86 Panini album. Right. It's like when, when you look back at them all then, it's like you could never have imagined that that squad was going to be the only Canadian team ever to be at a World Cup. Right. No. Paul James, do you know anything yeah, about him? Yeah, he's not had a good time recently, I know. No, he's terrible. Yeah. He's on his 90th day of a hunger strike. And I've been in touch with him and tried to persuade him that wasn't the way to go. But he's, he's, I know got, it's he's been got tough. a genuine beef and uh, he's, he's been let down by, by people in Canada. And, and, and uh, this was a great story, George Pecos. Yeah. But what happened, John Catliff, who's not on here, we're playing at Honduras. I don't think John Catliff's here. Yeah, no, he's not. They didn't have all of them on. And, and, and John Catliff did his knee in the cruciate ligament. And George Pecos came on. And I was at a dinner in uh, Victoria uh, a, a year or so ago. And what happened is 
the Honduran goalkeeper played the ball out to the left back, short goal kick, and he, he, he dwelled on it. We got the pressure on him, uh, Igor Vrablik. He, he, he played it inside and we stole the ball. Randy Reagan kicked it uh, towards the penalty area. George hit it first time. I said it bounced four times before it went in. He said, no, it was only three. He said, <laughs> it was the right thing to do. Now, the goalkeeper was still re returning from his goal kick and he hit it, uh, hit it on target and, and, and we won the game 1-0. And then we went to Costa Rica and tied 0-0 and then the final game was in St John's, Newfoundland. George was in the team then because uh, uh, John Catliff hadn't recovered and he scored the first goal. Ian, Ian Bridge was a, was a very good player. Uh, we, we, we brought Carl Valentine back to play his first game for Cardiff in that deciding game. Um, we'd we'd fast-tracked Carl uh, through his uh, Canadian citizenship. Yeah. But the league collapsed, he went off to West Brom and he was hoping to play for England. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was doing well. He kept that quiet. <laughs> yeah. So I called him up and said, look, you have a better chance of going to the World Cup with us than you have going there with England come and play for us. So he came in for the last game because we had injuries and suspension and uh, he played the corner in. Ian Bridge goes in and, and knocking players a, a, a around all over the place. Ball drops down, George Pecos slotted it 1-0. Uh, and he, he played three games, scored two goals. What's your, what's your biggest memory? Obviously he didn't win any games, but what was your biggest memory from Mexico? What's always going to live with you from that, that tournament? I, I think um, you know, that very first game against France <coughs> and uh, players were saying they stood in the uh, the, the, uh, the the, the uh, area where they went on the field and they're looking across there's Michel, Platini and uh, all the rest of them going oh dear <laughs> Paul Dolan might have been 20 yeah, he was really young. He, he yeah. was the youngest goalkeeper to ever, ever play in a World Cup. And, and uh, so that, that was the memory. We're going against the European champions. Uh, and, and my fear, uh, obviously, is that we didn't get blown out of the water. Yeah. That, and we came away and we hadn't been. We'd been competitive in all three games. But we hadn't scored a goal. Bobby... Bobby Nanduzzi had the best chance of all. He was right in front of goal and, and fluffed it. Yeah. I'm sure you've reminded him of that a lot of the times no, over the no, years. No, no, I don't want to embarrass him. One last thing I want to show you. That's the programme from the 1979 oh, yeah. Soccer Bowl. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the biggest moment in Vancouver Whitecaps history. Yes. Just what's your, what's your memories of that time? And it, what was more special to you, getting to the World Cup with Canada or winning that championship with, with the Whitecaps? I think this was just as important as, as, as anything else. It was, it was a great day when we, when we got there. We had a lot of problems going into the, the final game because the, the, the players, a lot of them were Brits, they, said, they came to me and said, uh, we want our bonus doubling. Yeah. They're getting 5,000, really peanuts really, $5,000. And, and the club turned them down. And I, I, I got a bit of the blame because I went to John Best, who was the GM, and said, you've got to find a way 
of getting that bonus. And I said, evening, put it into their contracts in the next year. And they said no. So the atmosphere was absolutely poisonous. I've, I've, I've watched some video of the game and yeah. So we're, we're in the, the uh, locker room before the game and Bob McNabb and I had made a decision. We're in a hotel. Uh, we weren't booked in for the Saturday night. They thought the Cosmos would get there, not us. <laughs> so they would have gone home. So the, the, the hotel says, you've got to get out of the hotel Saturday morning. Well, we didn't. And, and uh, so that the players could have a little lie in and, uh, and have a pre-game meal. So we, we got this situation. They didn't know about the hotel at that time. But we go to, uh, to, to the Giant Stadium and uh, Alan Ball, who I'd known since he was 15, he said, called everyone together, he said, these boys, he said, you're going to remember this day for the rest of your lives. Let's make it a good day. Broke, broke out, everyone responded. And so going onto the field, they, they were competing. Yeah. Willie Johnson went in with a ball under his shirt as if he was pregnant. So, so that was, a, and, and then the reception we got when we came back yeah. here, that was a bit of uh, uh, good thinking by John Best and, and his wife Claudia. They, they booked uh, 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 open limos, picked us up at the airport. There was about 120,000 people, Robson Square. So it's a great memory because uh, uh, Jim Mackay was the play-by-play -play guy for, I think it was ABC, and, it, and he called the Whitecaps, he, he called them a village, so the village of Vancouver, which incensed everybody. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for your time, right. Tony. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Oggy, 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 indeed. Tony Waiters there, talking about the 1979 soccer ball in the 1986 Canadian World Cup. It's the 40th anniversary next year, though. We're getting a hoop strip. Looks like it. Not confirmed, no, they, but yeah, no, there's it basically a, is. No, they're getting a hoop strip. They said it at the town hall. Said it at the town they, hall. They, they, I, like the, I like the marketing they've got for the season ticket yeah, renewal with the hoop. I mean, it's, it's clever. And uh, I think somebody came up with a mock. Of the hoops. Well, lots of people have had yeah. lots of yeah. mocks of the hoop over the years. Yeah, it, it, mock it, the hoople. Is it possible to not get this right, Michael? I guess. Like they called the Arbutus a hoop. Yeah. Was that a hoop to you? It was a hoop. Yeah. Okay. No. It was more like two lines. But... I I don't want to get stoned here. I don't like the hoop. I don't like hoops. I don't like stripes either. He's five playing stripes. I I hate stripes. I don't like hoops either. I just like a nice kind of plain shirt. I th I think it. Uh, yeah, based on all your the, African uh, kits that you okay, have, play you like a, a plain. with a little bit of a design. <laughs> the uh, the uh, they're going to make a lot of money off the kit next. Oh year. yeah, I'll uh, buy one. But the, the, unless I think, they give us a free one, I, I think. <laughs> so I'll be buying one. I th <laughs> from from China. <laughs> um. Oh man. 
I think there's still be a, a significant or significant allowed allowed segment of, of of people who are disappointed that they haven't gone with the. Well, who, yeah, because no the matter who, what the caps do, no, no, some but, of the fan base aren't going to be happy. But with they haven't gone with anything. the hoop as the identity, right? They, it's yeah. Just, it's now I just going to be. I was happy that they didn't. I just I don't. I yeah. don't you, like well, the hoop. you you're on record as not liking yeah. hoops. Because it's going to say Bell in it as well, which is just going to. To me, it takes away the iconic hoop said Vancouver or Whitecaps. Or Whitecaps, yeah. This is going to say Bell. To me, it doesn't work the same. They have mentioned, though, that apart from the hoop, they are planning to properly honour the 40th anniversary. What does that look like to you? What would you like that to, to be? It'll be something like probably the top 40 Whitecaps of all time. Um, oh. They'll do a lot of stuff with the 40s, probably. Um, Damn, I don't know. It's I'm, not the 40th anniversary of the, of the club, though. No. They'll probably do something like that. I, they always tie in something with the number. Right. 79, I, the 79 best. Yes, I mean, the 79 best. Hopefully they can assemble as many of the, the score as obviously they can. I, I was disappointed with how they handled the 86 Canadian team thing. They were on the pitch and just, here's a Canadian 86 team, quick round of applause and then back off again. It was yeah. just like a split second. It seemed like they had great fun in the suite and meeting everyone and all that, but it just felt there was something lacking. I know George Packers went on the Southsiders march, but it just felt they could. They had all those people together. I think they need for to, the first time for so long, and they could have done more with it. I think the players they bring in, they maybe need to parachute them through the middle of the BC Place or something like that. Ooh. That'd be awesome. How old are some of these guys? Now? I don't know. <laughs> um, but well, maybe they could dual parachute where the others so have instructor on them. It looks like Ring of Honor will be back. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Who, who's next in your mind? Um, it's got to be someone from that team now, doesn't it? Cody no. Rhodes. No. Who? Cody don't Rhodes. worry about. It. Who? He's in Ring of Honor. Oh, this is uh, too sweet, me baby, or one sweet, I guess. No, yeah, I saw, I, I saw you guys talking about this, some of the stuff on Twitter, and I quickly just skipped ahead. Did we talk about this last week? I thought there were some. I, I, I finally caught up with All In because I, I hadn't seen it. Brandy Rhodes. Okay, who, who do you think? Who do you, who do you think? If, if, because it's the 40th anniversary of '79, if they're doing Ring of Honor. At least, if they're doing, if they're only doing one, it's got to be from that that team. Yes. If it's if it's someone else, or if it's more than one, then they won't all be from that team, probably. But you got to think Martin Nash is probably gonna Tony Waiters. You have to feel. Oh is, yeah. Is oh yeah. Going to be a guy. Um, Alan Ball. I don't know. He'd... Peter Beersley. Trevor Weimar. Yeah, I was going to say that's what two I was gonna goals. Say. So yeah, I, I would go with him. But I thought you would put their best you, players. You don't just put the person who showed up in the game. I, I, I think I think there'll be two. I'm not saying Weimark is not good, but <laughs> I, I think I think they'll do one to the whole squad, and then I think probably Tony Waiters. They're going to do the whole squad in the I, Ring of I Honor. I think yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. As, as one banner. Yeah, that, yeah, that could work. And just put the whole like raise that to the, the rafters. Um, the the thing is, I think sometimes, unfortunately, how they work some of these things is like if they can't get the person, then they won't. Well, they did admit that they had other plans yeah. and that things just didn't come off but hopefully they do it in style and hopefully the fans really enjoy it and hopefully the media embrace it as well I was disappointed for that Canada 86 thing it was just myself and Jim Morris that actually had any interest in chatting to any of the folk that were there just needs a media I know this lack of space and all these things but not on your website so it's like a bit more interest in the history of the caps I think would be fantastic Anyway, just to wrap this section up, it is wavelength time. We're going to play a song from Welsh band Flyscreen. It's the fourth track from their Size 5 football album, which means we've played all four tracks now. This kind of ties in with the NASL, 
because it's about a player that spent one year in the NASL with Minnesota Kicks, Charlie George, more commonly known in his Arsenal days. So this is Charlie George on Super 8. Some films on Super 8 Charlie George, a motion picture great The hardest kid in school supported Leeds Of course the only Arsenal fan was me Should I shout?
I'm David Edgar, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. Our last part of the show for this evening. And that means it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for news, reviews, links, reports, stats, everything you could want from the world of football, and we mean the world of football. Make it part of your daily routine. Check it morning, noon and night, bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eye on this site this week, Steve? Well, uh, normally we uh, put, you know, uh, people who listen to this regularly will know that we put Canadian news last. This week we decided to switch it up because it's been pretty big CPL news. Yeah, um, we're going to kick it off with all our CPL chat. Yeah, so Ottawa has decided not to join the CPL next year Ooh. as the eighth uh, team at the eighth club. Um, they decided to stay in USL for another year. It'll be their third year in USL. Uh, since moving from NASL, they haven't really said that they said that they're open to joining next year in 29, uh, 2020. Sorry, w- w- when did they say that? In one of the articles, there was an article in was the quoted, Times Colonist yeah. um, by Mark Goody. He yeah. said they are open. They, they want to be in a tried and tested league. So, so he said that, or someone from within the no, he said that. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so obviously, Zach will have something to say about that soon. Um, but uh, so th- that's essentially what was said. Yeah, um, a lot of fury about it. Yes, ob- and, uh, and what and, a terrible, terrible name. And there's a there's been uh, it's, it's it's actually fans in Ottawa too that are upset about oh, it. Oh yeah, too. It's of not course. Just, yeah. And um, there has been uh, talk that they will have an eighth uh, team in in the league next year. They'll have to move somebody up that what they were expecting for. Next, uh, 2020, sorry, to move them up one year to 2019. Mm. So a lot to talk about. Yeah, let, let's there'll be some more information as we talk right now. Let, let's let's start with with the decision of the Fury, I guess. First of all, not to to be the eighth team. Are you surprised by that, Zach, or do you do you understand <clears throat> their their reasoning behind it? Because I, I fully understand why they don't want to commit right now. Right. Um, and you're welcome to that opinion. The, the thing is, uh, a, there's a, a number of there's a, a lot going on with this. First off, uh, I, I know that some people have I've heard some people say, "Well, the Fury have been asking questions; they haven't been getting answers." What I understand is that the Ottawa Fury have been a part of the process with the with the CPL for a long time now. So it, it's not like they don't know what everyone else knows, kind of thing. And so this kind of I think there's some misinformation about that. They, they they don't know; they don't have the answers they want. There are probably some things that are, there's a few probably smaller detailed things that they don't know the answers for because the league has yet to determine that. And so I think that's a bit of an unfair, one of the unfair excuses that's going around. The other thing, it, is, it appears that not for the first time, the Ottawa Fury have chosen to uh, publicly declare which league they're playing in without uh, being sanctioned or getting the approval of the CSA, which you have to have. Well, they have been sanctioned for 2019 already. I believe. Have no, no. Who, where, who told you that? Again, um, that was in the yeah. same article. No. Yeah, I, I, my understanding is that they have not received that. And it was the same thing. Well, if Mark Goody's the, the CEO of the company that owns Ottawa Fury, surely he would know. Well, there's... He's, I think he's positioning himself in a... Uh, right, exactly. Be, 
And the, the he said they've told USL that they're playing next year and they've been sanctioned in the league. Right. Okay. Um, well, I think this is public knowledge. One of the Ottawa Fury guys is like on the CSA board of board of directors. Oh, so that might be. I think, I'm pretty sure that's public knowledge. Anyway, that might be uh, someone's perspective on what has happened. My understanding is they have they haven't been sanctioned. I obviously I, I should to be there. I think. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> I do think that uh, I do think that uh, the, the Canadian Premier League needs a team in Ottawa. I don't necessarily think it needs to be uh, the Fury. I don't think it needs to. Well, to me, it wouldn't be the. You can't the Fury. It's not a good name. It's not. There's nothing good about it. They even when they kind of chose it, they I think even admitted that they kind of went too too quickly. They they they, they followed too quickly in the footsteps of the the Red Blacks and the color and everything. Anyways, the. Um, Ottawa needs to be in the CPL. I'm not convinced it needs to be Fury. I'm not convinced it needs to be even with these owners specifically. Um, and I think that there, as of right now, what will happen? Nothing would surprise me, to be honest, because I've heard so many different things from so many different parts of the country, from so many kind of different perspectives, that there's a lot of uh, possibilities of how this could play out, including them not being sanctioned by the CSA and what that might lead to for them. Uh, them being, uh, them them being sanctioned and coming in in later you what you need to do with this is i think especially journalists in in ottawa uh i think what they really need to do is they need to ask some harder questions i think they need to follow the money both money that's being made and money that's being lost because or potentially being lost or potentially being gained because i think there's some elements here that uh i think if some digger some deeper digging needs 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 to be done in terms of the league um, maybe this is jumping ahead for you, but in terms of the league, uh, yeah. So Dave, I think Clanahan's going to talk tomorrow, has a press conference or yes. whatever. He's going to talk about a lot of things. The, the league does have um, uh, other options that they could that they could move forward with, right? So all the talk is that it's going to, if it's not Ottawa, it will be another Ontario based team. And I think I think my guess it would be Mississauga. No, no, I think no, Kits- Mississauga. Kitchener, Waterlooville. Oh, Kitchener, Waterlooville. Like, okay, I'm going to. It have to be somebody that has a uh, a stadium ready to go, basically. So for that reason, it's not not going to be either of those, in my in my oh. opinion. It's not going to be either of those because Mississauga, the stadium won't be ready for a while. I just want KW I, because they've got the great PDL set up right. already. I think Minnesota, uh, Mississauga, Saga City Collective, they will be in. They will be in a year or two down the road. Yeah. Uh, in terms of KW United, again, there's not a stadium situation yeah. that's there. The, one of the other options that's being talked about Winter. in Ontario. Is uh, no, they just there's some of their supporters just began to meet and they want a team there. Thunder Bay. I think there'll be a team in um, in Windsor, excuse me, eventually. Um, I think it's going to be London. I think Ooh. it's going to be oh. the, the backup option. Oh, that's good. But the White Caps already having their academy there, they could call it the London Fog. But oh, very good. But regardless, it, Do you know, you can't get a London Fog in London. They've no, never heard of that. I know. The, regardless, the, it's very disappointing to see how this is all kind of this is all kind of played out. Hopefully, the CPL and their leadership learn learn some things from this, um, and uh, hopefully, this doesn't derail some of the good work that's been done. For for me, yeah. I think if the Fury are, as an existing team are allowed to decide what league they want to play in. If they feel it's in their but, best interest But they're not, play, though, Michael. They're not. The, 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 they are. No, they're not, because they have to be sanctioned yeah, by the CSA. But they should be, that's what I'm saying, they should be allowed to be playing in what league they want to. No, but so they Michael, should be allowed someone, to. Michael, someone has... It doesn't matter whether they are or whether the CSA agree. They, as an existing team, have the right to me 
to, to play football. So They're providing for the last few years an environment for young Canadian players, which no one else was doing. Up until this year, it's it's at least questionable how much they were providing for young Canadian players. They still young, played young Canadian, Canadian talent. If it's, if it's more cost-effective to them to travel to East Coast USL teams than across country to Victoria, why, why should they be forced to, to change? Right, but Michael, the bigger question, what you're saying, sure, sounds logical and re- reasonable, but there's a bigger question that needs to be answered. Someone has to look out for what is the best for Canadian football. And whether you agree the CSA has done really well at that or really poorly at that or somewhere in between, they are the ones who should be uh, who are and who should be responsible for saying what's best for the Canadian future of Canadian football. And you know what? You might In the short term, you might be right. Ottawa staying in the USL might be good. If they actually do stay in the USL, might be good for some players for a short period of time. I do not see the argument for the long term of, 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 of development of Canadian players outside of, uh, of Canadian, of future Canadian clubs playing outside of the Canadian Premier League. If they were in the NASL and hadn't made the switch to USL and the NASL was still up and going... They're not going to say to them you can't play in that any longer. Just like they're not going to come and say to the Whitecaps and Impact and TFC you can't play in MLS. But so you're, you're again. This is maybe one of those things about your Queen and King thing. That's not the reality we're in, Michael. The NASL does not exist at this present no, at this present but time. They were in an existing league. They've been in this league for two years, and I know the sanctioning was till this year. Yes, but they've spent a lot of money. The article I read said they spent eight million. So you're saying to people that was like, okay, we want to invest in Canadian soccer, but you know what? We don't want you to invest it in that. If you don't do it in this, we don't care what you spend. But again, someone has to be looking out for the bigger yeah. the bigger picture. What did Montreal then do for having an affiliate team well, since you can't have your B teams in the CPL? And that's an excellent question. And I guarantee you the people in Montreal are fully supportive of Ottawa's decision in this. I'm pretty sure they are as well. So um, and they, and they are very anti CPL. And the other, furious. The, the other the other the other part of the Montreal thing is do you, do they really? I know it's only a, a few hours away or whatever, but do they really want another club at a, at a in a Canadian league at, at, that close to them? True. Like if, if Thunder Bay came in, it would be really bad. So in other news as well, uh, Clannan, as you said, uh, is going to be doing uh, announcement tomorrow, and it's going to be biweekly apparently. Yes. Um, it, On a Monday. As, you, as we talked about last week, the trials are happening soon. Mm. He's also mentioned that there's some interesting names that are going to be signing up for these guys. Um, they asked for recommendations from PDL teams, uh, colleges, and others to write recommendations for their players and whether they're ready for the CPL or not, which is interesting. Um, Have we got Jody? Jody's going? No. No? We haven't, we haven't done our GoFundMe yeah. yet. We've got time. November. Um, uh, also, this week's announcements are set to cover the you know the kit deal. Yep. Uh, w- some of the roster rules, acquisition of players, expansion interest, and media rights as well. The kid deal is not rocket science. Just go and look at who a bunch of the CPL people have followed on Twitter. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not rocket science. <laughs> hope it's Puma. I know it's not. But I I know. It's, <laughs> yes, it's definitely not Puma. Puma was not in the even the final three. You know, companies. Yeah. bidding. So let's rattle through some of this other news that we have. A follow-up from uh, uh, weeks ago, actually. Um, Who's in prison this week? Uh, no, um, well, he, he avoided prison. Jose oh. Mourinho. Um, res- oh, he yes. Got, he got respect. And he, did this. <laughs> he, he, was only, he was only handed a one-year suspended sentence for his tax evasion case and a $3.3 million, oh, sorry, $2 million fine. $2 million euro fine, sorry. Um, it's for the $3.3 million, um, that he earned for imaging rights. Um, that he was kind of 
I think he put it in different accounts all over the world. Um, this was in Spain. Again, Spain, again, yes. yeah, again, again, again. I think people have to remember that when you say he put him in all these accounts, his his advisor exactly. Yeah, yes. he, he, like it's I, similar with Ronaldo and Messi too. Yeah, wait, and I think uh, we don't know Alex, how Alex, no, we don't know how Sanchez. complicated the Spanish tax system filing is. Yeah. It might just who knows? It might just have been too problematic. <laughs> Next, this bit of information is pretty interesting. Uh, uh, leading coaches call for away goals change. Um, it was um, a bunch of coaches. Uh, Mourinho was there. Uh, Emery, Wenger, uh, um, Massimiliano Allegri, Ancelotti, uh, Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel. Um, Robo there? No. Um, and they asked that the, the scoring of away goals um, be taken away, like the importance of it, because they feel like scoring away goals is not as difficult as it was in the past. Um, it was first introduced in 65 as an alternative to tossing a coin or staging a replay on a neutral ground. Um, especially the, the one to avoid it because traveling abroad was kind of more challenging back then, not as much as now. Um, they feel the rule is counterproductive uh, because it encourages away teams to attack. It also induces home teams to defend and avoid cost, conceding that costly goal. Oh, they watched the, the White Cap Seattle game. Yeah, last it must year. be. So what do you guys think about that? Do you like that, that everything is equal? I used to love the away goal. Wait, wait, are you saying the Whitecaps attacked in Seattle last year? Or lacked no. attack. <laughs> or especially at home, actually. I, I really used to like like the away goal. I thought it was great, but it, it's just, it seems pointless now. And if anything, it is going to force teams to open up a little bit more without it. So I say scrap it. Yeah. So how do you how do you resolve things? What's just, the... N- Play just play, normal. and then you go to penalties if it's tied yeah. at the end. Yeah, and then you have the advantage. The home team has the advantage of playing the second game at home and getting the penalties. There, I still so like to the see them experiment an extra time of taking a man off every five minutes. <sighs> that's weird. Okay, so next uh, story uh, we talked about some international friendlies and Nations Cup games. One friendly that wasn't played was in Japan. Mm-hmm. It was versus uh, Chile. Um, it was in the Sapporo. Uh, there was a 6.7 earth, uh, Richter scale earthquake that struck, uh, Haikido, the island of it causing landslides and other damage. It canceled the match as a result of the tremor, uh, the tremor and because the epicenter was about 60 kilometers south east of the city. Japan will host Costa Rica on Tuesday. I think it's in a different venue, while Chile will go down to South Korea. Bamos Los Ticos. Yeah, so it, obviously... Uh, Poor Kendo had to pull out of that yeah. one. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was yeah. the, the doctor. There story. was actually a Nations League match that was called off today because of Tropical Storm Martinique in the British Virgin Islands. Oh, okay. The story from a World Cup, uh, some reverberations from the World Cup news. Uh, the stadium in uh, FC Rostov moved into... It was a 45,000-seat stadium. In, it's called the Rostov Arena now. Um, their average attendance has gone from 10,000 to 30,000 in the new arena, but the club, the club is a threatening to move because the operators have scheduled a concert by a Russian rapper named Basta uh, for September 29th, 11 days before their next home game. They feel that's going to damage the actual the pitch. turf. Yeah. yeah. And they're not happy about this. Yeah, I, I, I've been, I've been listening to a Russian football podcast. I know Giovinko would not be happy about. Yeah, this. exactly. They, they're not got any boat shows planned. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I, I hope they don't. I hope they don't have to move. I, I hope that's can, uh, can be avoided. It was basically, I think, the city had the, the, the rights to, to plan uh, other events in the stadium as a part of the stadium deal or whatever, and they just didn't fully communicate. 
And so, yeah, there's some frustration over how to move forward. Um, Stadium MK will host the Tottenham Watford uh, Cup tie, despite fan protest. This is yep. a this is because the delays to the White Hart Lane and Wembley not being available might Empty be a, stadium. Might be a boat show. I'm not sure what it is. Are they going to boycott Michael? Hopefully, hopefully well, they the, should. The supporters' trust has urged the club to avoid this and threaten to boycott yep. if it wasn't rescheduled. And they they claim it's uh, 100%. It's not even to, due to the traveling. They say it's 100% because yes. of the fact yep. that Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon moved there years MK ago. scum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if, if you, if you, if you're a Tottenham supporter and you, and you truly respect f- football and it being a community thing, you can't go to this game. Yeah. If they don't move it. I'm with you, brother. Um, Denmark has gone through quite a bit this week in their Nations League games. Well, the first one was a friendly, the second one was a Nations League. Um, their top players, the, those are players from the first and second tier as well as uh, players from other uh, nations, playing in other nations in the leagues across the world. Um, they were basically on strike kind of because they had a dispute over commercial rights. Um, and it, it basically it forced them to field... A uh, starting eleven that considered consisted of a salesman, a student, and an internet star. One of those like uh, uh, tricks uh, volley people, the ones that like juggle the ball and everything like <laughs> oh. that. Um, like street footballer, yeah, basically yeah. like they, they they call them trick. I don't know what they call them, but they lost essentially three nothing to Slovakia away to them. Uh, they were able to come to an agreement, uh, extend the previous deal, which the which the players were okay with. But the 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 federation wasn't, and they were able to they were able to get together and play against Wales, and they actually beat them two nothing today. Let me just check something. <laughs> oh no, I thought Scotland had done the same thing against Belgium on Friday. <laughs> Apparently, we were just crap and lost four 0 Okay, <laughs> maybe you could use the Dan- Danish players. Yeah, possibly, <laughs> might get a better result. Um, Albania is going to be quaking in their boots when we get there for the Nations League. <laughs> Last bit of news. <laughs> Did that the wrong way, right? I tried to do my Albanian ego. <laughs> not, not quite sure what that ended up as. I honestly don't know what that was. Ah, we need video in here. It, they look like the itsy bitsy spider or something like that. Okay, that was a good one. So, last bit of news. Uh, let's, we'll, we'll try I to wrap. I've seen Zach this red. Yeah. No, no, he's been red before. Oh, that was good. Um, last bit of news in um, that, so we can wrap up this uh, segment and get home with it to our loved ones. Um, North American news: uh, uh, MLS uh, savior yes. uh, David Beckham. <laughs> he has. Uh, they've officially announced the name of the MLS expansion f- franchise. Um, it's going to be flamingos. Was it? Is Inter Miami CF? Oh, the F was for flamingos. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And unveil their pink and black crest. Yep, flamingos. Which would have the flamingos. Mm. Duel, dueling flamingos. You guys thought ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even remember if the stadium set, though. Of course it's not. No, it's not. It's, not, it's Miami. Yeah, There's remember. no stadium? They're mm. still voting on that, but they decided to announce everything else. It's an interesting thing i still don't think they should have a team yeah it's sim- it, the colors seem similar there to the montreal colors that they had uh, oh that when they were pink and they're black and yeah, yeah. And that's enough <laughs> oh, no. um yeah like palermo it's like yeah. palermo colors yeah, yeah. flamingo and uh, actually i saw today that um uh and a greetsman uh has said that if beckham wants him he'll come to miami Who who's not gonna go 
Ronaldo's uh, Ronaldo's apparently a target. Bro Smith as well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Getting jiggy with it? Yep. Anyway, that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Wait, Show. it's over? It is, sadly. We have to get home to our loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> it seems dead like his family's waiting up for him. <laughs> <laughs> they are, I can see them. No, they're passed out. Oh. But oh, most yeah. likely, the in my room, the TV and the lights are on, for sure. So just be, just before we Wait, go... Are you going to do that again? <laughs> just before we go... Just let everyone know where they can find you online. Oh, I'll say this as slowly as possible to let Zach recover. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Uh, for me, it's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the movement Curve Collective. I'm Michael McCoy. You can find me online at Twitter at AFT in Canada, Facebook at AFT in Canada, Instagram at, no, you didn't guess it, it's AFT in Soccer, and read all our stuff on Away From The Numbers, AFTN.ca. Also going to be checking out hand gesture and sort of mime sights. Finger bobs kind of comes to mind. I'll, I'll, I'll re-watch finger bobs. No, no, watch, watch the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Ah. He, they do a hand yeah. dancing kind of thing. Well, we're blue, we're white, we are not Napoleon Dynamite. We're hopefully will be Whitecaps Dynamite against Seattle at the weekend. And we'll be chatting about that next Sunday. San Zach, unfortunately. Because we're going to be on at the earlier time of nine o'clock. Anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.